Chapter Six of Three Years in the Federal Cavalry by Willard Glazier. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jonathan Limebrook of Lake Elsinore, California. Chapter Six: Rebel Invasion of Maryland, 1863. Result of Pope's Campaign. Best and Recruit at Hall's Hill. My Maryland, its invasion. Offensive policy of the rebellion. Pennsylvania and the whole country aroused. Battle of South Mountain. Harper's Ferry. Colonel Miles. His treachery and death. Bloody Battle of Antietam. Drilling recruits. The Harris Light again at the front. At Chantilly, Sudley Church, Leesburg, McClellan again relieved from command. By the almost continual fighting of General Pope's campaign, our ranks had been greatly depleted. Of the cavalry in general, one correspondent makes the following remark, quote, They picket our outposts, scout the whole country for information, open our fights, cover our retreats, or clear up and finish our victories, as the case may be. In short, they are never idle, and rarely find rest for either men or horses. We had felt the influence of this wear and tear so sadly that our once full and noble regiment was now reduced to about 350 men scarcely one-third of our original number. Nearly every regiment of cavalry which had participated in the misfortunes of the campaign had suffered a like decimation. To replenish our weakened ranks and to infuse new vigor and discipline into the various commands became a question of no little moment. Consequently, a large number of regiments, under the direct supervision of General Bayard, were ordered to Hall's Hill, about ten miles from Washington, where we established camps of instruction and drill. During the disasters of the Peninsular Campaign, and the subsequent defeats and retreats from the Rapidan to the Potomac, the country had awakened to the importance of increasing the army by new organizations, and of filling up the broken ranks by fresh levies of recruits. This feeling was greatly intensified by the exposure of Washington to the victorious and advancing enemy, and by the invasions of northern soil, which the triumphs of the rebellion made imminent. Hence, multitudes of recruits were pouring into Washington principally, and into other places, gladly donning the uniform, and eager to learn the duties of the soldier. Camps of instruction were, of course, necessary, and as the attention of young men was turning very favorably to the cavalry service, our camps at Hall's Hill were the scenes of daily arrivals of fine specimens of patriots, whose hands were warmly grasped by us, and gladly we initiated them into the mysteries of this new science. We were not a little elated at the epithet of veteran which these recruits lavished upon us. 
The experiences and labors of our old camps Oregon and Sussex were repeated with somewhat of new combinations and interests, as we sought to prepare ourselves and others more thoroughly than before to meet the foe in coming campaigns. We had scarcely reached our new camps and entered upon our new labors when we learned that General Lee was marching his confident hosts into Maryland. This movement at first was regarded as a feint only with the intention of uncovering Washington, but as column after column was known to have crossed the Potomac and to be advancing through the state with more or less rapidity, the tocsin of alarm was sounded everywhere, and a general movement was made to repel the invaders. Pennsylvania was thoroughly aroused, and her loyal and true governor issued a proclamation calling upon all the able-bodied men of the Commonwealth to organize for defense. The militia promptly responded to the call, and military preparations were going on, not only in the old Keystone State, but throughout the land. Up to this time, the attitude of the rebels had been defensive, but their recent great victories had led them to change their tactics, and thinking that ultimate success was almost within their grasp, they now assumed the offensive policy. Aside from this consideration, they doubtless hoped to awaken in the border states a sympathy and an enthusiasm on their behalf, which thus far they had failed to create, and that their brilliant march northward would not only carry a strong political influence, but that their ranks would be greatly swollen by accessions of recruits from those states. This indication of rebel thought is evidently found in the address which General Lee issued to the people of Maryland on the 8th of September. In it are found the following sentences. Quote, the people of the Confederate States have long watched with the deepest sympathy the wrongs and outrages that have been inflicted upon the citizens of a commonwealth allied to the states of the South by the strongest social, political, and commercial ties, and reduced to the condition of a conquered province. Believing that the people of Maryland possess a spirit too lofty to submit to such a government, the people of the South have long wished to aid you in throwing off this foreign yoke, to enable you again to enjoy the inalienable rights of free men, and restore the independence and sovereignty of your state. In obedience to this wish, our army has come among you, and is prepared to assist you with the power of its arms in regaining the rights of which you have been so unjustly despoiled." End quote. But the fond hopes which prompted this address were destined to be blasted. Lee's advancing columns met no resistance, and marched directly upon Frederick City, where recruiting offices were opened under the superintendence of General Bradley T. Johnson, who had left this city at the beginning of the war to serve in the rebel army. But the Confederate chiefs were disappointed. The number who were marshaled under their stars and bars did not exceed the number of those who, tired of training in rebel gray, deserted their banner. The enemy's peaceful march through the state and its quiet possession were not of long duration, 
and the invaders soon found other work to do than to make political orders and harangues, and to increase their ranks by recruits. From Washington the Union Army began to advance with considerable strength and determination, compelling General Lee to relinquish his design of penetrating into Pennsylvania. Initiatory steps were now being taken for a great battle, the first encounter of which took place under General Pleasanton, who commanded our cavalry during this campaign at the Catoctin Creek in Middletown, Maryland. The enemy's rearguard, consisting of cavalry, was struck with some force, the prelude to the Battle of South Mountain at Turner's Gap. The enemy, having taken possession of this mountain pass, was driven from it only after the most obstinate resistance and severe loss, and was forced to leave only before superior numbers. This occurred on the 14th, and the victory, though somewhat dearly bought, inspired our troops with new courage and gave them a foretaste of better days. Harper's Ferry and Antietam But during the day we received sad tidings from Harper's Ferry, a point of no little importance to the invaders. Unfortunately for us, the place was under the command of Colonel Miles, who, for his drunkenness and general incompetency, had made himself conspicuous during the first battle of Bull Run. Why such a man was left in command of at least ten thousand men, and at a place of so much interest, cannot well be accounted for. Aware as he must have been several days ago that this position was a coveted prize, and would undoubtedly be assailed, he neither retreated nor fortified himself, as he easily could have done, to hold out for a long time against a superior force. Nothing but imbecility or treachery could have controlled his conduct. On the 11th, his command was increased largely by a force under General Julius White, who had evacuated Martinsburg on the approach of Stonewall Jackson. But today he was attacked from various positions, and his forces driven, and on the 15th, being attacked from at least seven commanding positions, early in the day the white flag was raised, which the enemy, failing to see, continued to fire for several minutes, during which time Colonel Miles was killed, some say by a rebel shell, others assert by some of his own men. By this shameful surrender there fell into the hands of the enemy nearly twelve thousand men, half of them New Yorkers, who had just entered the service, also seventy-three guns, good and bad, thirteen thousand small arms, two hundred wagons, and a large supply of tents and camp equipage. Stonewall Jackson, who had commanded the expedition from Frederick to Harper's Ferry, now moved forward to join Lee's main army, which he did on the 16th. From South Mountain, General McClellan began to collect his forces well in hand, and to move towards Boonesboro. Here General Pleasanton again struck the rebel cavalry rearguard, capturing 250 prisoners and two field pieces. Infantry supports were following our cavalry very closely, 
and after marching about twelve miles they discovered the rebels in force posted on the south bank of antietam creek just in front of the little village of sharpsburg our troops entered into bivouacs for the night expecting to attack the enemy early next morning but the morning and most of the day passed in idleness while the rebels were fortifying their positions and gathering their forces which had been more or less scattered had mcclellan ordered an advance that morning early the sixteenth of september eighteen sixty two would have witnessed a comparatively easy and complete victory at four o'clock p m general joseph hooker was sent out on the right moving at a sufficient distance to keep out of sight of the rebel batteries he forded the antietam and soon afterwards turning sharply to the left came down upon the enemy near the road to hagerstown but darkness soon coming on put a speedy end to the conflict september seventeenth this day has witnessed the grand and glorious battle of antietam the particulars of which i need not record it is enough to say that the daring of our men and their heroic deeds upon this field wiped out forever in rebel blood the disgrace and foul stain cast upon our arms in the momentous military blunders and defeats which have followed us since the beginning of this great american conflict the losses were heavy on both sides but the enemy was fairly beaten and driven from his chosen positions and night closed the most sanguinary day ever known to the american continent mcclellan ought to have followed up his victory early next morning but hesitating the enemy made good his escape across the potomac leaving only his dead and desperately wounded the latter numbering about two thousand in our hands october four we are still in our camps at hall's hill teaching and learning the tactics of war. Today Kilpatrick detailed me to act as drill-master and gave me the command of a detachment of recruits. This gives me a new phase of Army experience, and though it has its difficulties, as one will always find when he endeavors to control men of many minds, yet I find a good exercise of my little knowledge of human nature and realize that the influence of my new labor upon myself is very salutary. I had thought that I was master of all the preliminary steps of the science and art of a soldier's discipline, but in endeavoring to teach the same to others I have learned so much myself that it now seems to me that what I knew before was the merest rudiment this i learn is the experience of others who are engaged in similar work helping others has a wonderful reflex influence upon ourselves i often wonder if this may not explain in part the philosophy of that passage of holy writ which says it is more blessed to give than to receive in this exercise of drilling and in the comparative monotony of camp life we spent the month of october all was quiet along the entire lines of the great armies our ranks had been greatly swollen by new accessions yet general mcclellan was constantly calling for reinforcements 
and all kinds of supplies, alleging that the army was in no condition to move. At length, about the 26th of October, a feeble advance was made across the Potomac. Several days were spent in putting the Federal Army on the sacred soil and under marching orders. No opposition was encountered in the march. Our forces moved along the east side of the Blue Ridge, the enemy still occupying the Shenandoah Valley, and moving southward on a line parallel with our own. November 2. The Harris Light broke camp at Hall's Hill and advanced to the Chantilly Mansion, bivouacking on its beautiful grounds. This property is said to be owned by one of the Stuarts, who is reported to be quartermaster general in the rebel service. Pleasant as was the place, with its fine walks, bordered with flowers and evergreen shrubbery, its fruitful gardens and groves, the cold of the night made our stay not the most agreeable. The next morning we pursued our line of march to Sudley Church, near Bull Run, where we encountered a strong force of Stuart's cavalry. After a sharp conflict, in which Yankee ingenuity and grit were fairly tested, the chivalry retired southwestwardly, acknowledging themselves badly defeated. November 4. Today the regiment was ordered to move to Leesburg, near which we pitched our shelters. This is an old aristocratic village, the Shire Town of Loudoun County. It is situated in a lovely valley at the terminus of the Loudoun and Hampshire Railroad, and is only about two miles from the Potomac, and an equal distance from Goose Creek, which is a considerable stream. Though this county sent many brave men into the Union ranks, probably more than any other county of the same population in Virginia, yet Leesburg is almost a facsimile of Charlestown, the capital of Jefferson County, the scene of John Brown's execution, where all the people, including women and children, are, quote, secession to a man, end quote. All this while the Grand Army of the Potomac was moving southward at a snail's pace, and on the 7th of November, just after reaching Warrenton, General McClellan was relieved from command, and directed to report to the authorities by a letter from Trenton, New Jersey. Thus ended another indecisive campaign, which, though it had witnessed a greater victory than ever won before, had yet failed to reap the fruits thereof. End of chapter 6